0: You know, all these Chargers fans are talking tough online today, but you should have seen every single one of them almost pee down their leg when the Bengals scored to go 24-22. They they didn't even have the audacity to chant let's go Chargers until they kicked the garbage field goal to go up three scores. Like if they they were really confident in their team, you'd think they would have done it after a scoop and score. Fumble to give you a two-score lead. But they knew they they knew they were still might have been inevitable that they give up the game, so don't don't let them talk tough to you today. It's time for the three AM Coney. Hey, tough one, but don't let it bring down your weekend. D- don't be angry about this. First off, you got to credit the Cincinnati Bearcats for making the whole weekend a Cincinnati sports success no matter what happened on the field on Sunday. Or, you know, that that moment of reaching the college football playoff for Cincinnati sports, much more significant than what's going to happen Bengals versus Chargers in a weird AFC game that none of us will remember come May. I mean, that, that's, that's legitimately where I want you to start. If you are a Bearcats and Bengals fan, just calm down. And, and there's going to be many reasons why I think everybody needs to calm down after this game and, and why perspective is important and why what-ifs are important and why, in many ways, yesterday's game, Sunday's game, if you're listening to this later in the week, was, an, it was just a confirmation of everything we've seen all season long and a confirmation of what this team was, the team that decimated Pittsburgh, the team that filled our heart with emotion and hope. So we'll dive into all that. We'll dive into the Bearcats. Just me today, uh, Matt and I are definitely going to get together sometime this week. It's an exciting time to be a Cincinnati sports fan. But where I wanted to start are two really main points the number one thing is I want to talk about Zach Taylor. How my opinion has changed of him and his role in this team. I, I don't think he should be the play caller anymore. That's where I want to start. Where we're going to go later is you've got to put a lot more trust in Joe Burrow. And I'm more speaking to, I don't know, there's like a 20% of the fan base. And, and I've been told you shouldn't speak to minorities. You shouldn't worry about minorities. Those will always exist in fan bases. But I think I still, I still want to speak to that minority That Oh, God, I heard an Andy Dalton uh, name drop in comparison to Joe Burrow, and it made me want to throw up right on his shoes. So we'll get into that as well. But let's start with Zach Taylor, the play caller. Zach Taylor, the game manager, has a massive failure on Sunday twice. Inexcusable failures twice in that football game. Where I wanted to start was his sound. Let's hear Zach Taylor's own explanation of it. And I'll tell you why I like this answer, and it also disturbs me at the same time. For me, to make sure that we're all on the same page, and so we're not getting to one call, and then, and then I'm trying to change it, essentially. That's, that's just bad ball on me. Bad, bad, bad handling of that communication, and then you end up going to halftime with nothing. So what happened on the two-point conversion? Bad, but, horrific by me, horrific, horrific. Um, <laughs> You know, we, we were going for two, and so we were a little slow making sure we had the right personnel grouping on the field. Um, where I made that mistake, so then we called timeout, put the ball in hash, um, waiting to see what personnel they were in, and then and then I, I called the play backwards, so I'm trying to correct it at the last second, and, we you up taking the delay game. So it just horrific management of a situation by me twice. Definitely horrific, Zach. But the key sentence in there is, I called the play backwards. So, I'm not going to come out here as a guy that I, I'm been the Zach Taylor fire train, admittedly. I've been on that train once or twice. I don't think it's the nicest train. I never, I never wanted to stay. I, I never wanted to be on it. But yet, I found myself there multiple times through last year. And, and admittedly, December, this time last year, was a really dark period for us. I love Zach Taylor more than I ever have, especially after a comment like this. I mean, the honesty. This is the most honest press conference team in the league. The most honest and upfront press conference team in the league. The Jamar Chase football quote. Joe Burrow saying he's not comfortable in the pocket quote. Zach Taylor saying he's horrific. Accountability. I mean, they have that honesty and accountability that you love to see. Um, And it's when they are honest about it and upfront, you really believe that they are going to improve at it. And that's what's exciting. But the reason why I don't think Zach Taylor should be the play caller is obvious. It's very hard to be the game manager, the decision maker, the CEO, the lead guy, the captain of the ship, and also call plays, and also steer the ship. Just simply look at Andy Reid's career. Andy Reid, who might be the... The smartest offensive mind the game has ever produced, especially in the modern era, if you take out Bill Walsh and the original creators of the West Coast offense, Andy Reid. One of the smartest guys ever. His biggest knock and probably what cost his great Eagles teams two or three Super Bowls was his game management. His game management. Excellent play caller, but he couldn't combine the two. Could never really figure it out until recently. But Andy Reid is approaching, God, I don't even know how old Andy Reid is. Whatever, 60 plus, I think. Zach Taylor is still younger than 40. So is Zach Taylor just going to consistently hold on to this idea that the best thing for his team is to call plays? What's leadership about? Leadership is admitting when you do not have the capability to do two things at once. And none of this is a criticism of Zach Taylor. None of this isn't, is saying that he is a bad play caller. It's not saying that he wouldn't be a seriously successful play caller if that's all he had to do. It's not saying that he's even a bad game manager. I'm not saying that this deserves to be fired. I'm just saying that admitting that it's hard to do both and taking a step back and letting Brian Callahan, who comes from a really prestigious coaching tree, letting Brian Callahan... Take the stress of calling plays off your back while you're trying to make very important decisions like whether to go for two or not. What, what is wrong with giving up that responsibility? Because Zach says the biggest problem of the team, and, and it's the most obvious problem, is they're sloppy. It's turnovers, it's mistakes. And they come from what? Fluke stuff like the Joe Mixon drop lack of focus, but they also come from trying to do too much. Trying to do things that you are not capable of doing, right? That's, that's where turnovers come from. That's where mistakes and sloppiness come from. Well, I think Zach's trying to do too much. He's trying to do too much. And it's okay to admit that. It's okay to say, hey, I just don't think he should do both. Not that he shouldn't chip in on every play call or say, hey, Brian, we need to be looking at this set or maybe even prep Brian Callahan before every drive, right, of, of what he is feeling like the game needs to go. I mean, what's wrong with taking a step back and really zeroing in on game management, really zeroing in on situations, on the details, right? I I just think that's what's better for this team at this time. And I love Zach Taylor more than I ever have. That that amazing piece from Dan Pompey in The Athletic shows you so much more about Zach Taylor's character. I believe he's improving. I believe that he is the right leader for a team that is led by Joe Burrow. He's the right guy to play head coach in what is essentially going to be the Joe Burrow culture and the Joe Burrow locker room. And we all know that. And that's what you signed up for when you draft a guy like Burrow with the number one overall draft pick. But I, I just don't think he can do both. I think, in fact, it's, it's borderline irresponsible that he continues to try to do both. Because the, the criticisms of Zach aren't culture, aren't you know even even the penalty thing the penalty thing just popped up this week but you know we're all praising Zach Taylor about how this team is disciplined and doesn't commit many penalties and a lot of it is just sloppiness from them trying to do too much from them not focusing in key situations and that stuff you can credit to youth and inexperience and stuff that you would naturally expect to improve if you continue to work on it but the 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 messed up situations in the game the bad time management That's sloppiness that doesn't need to exist. That's sloppiness that if Zach focused on, I'm sure he would be excellent at. But he's trying to do two very difficult jobs at once when he didn't have a lot of experience doing it to begin with. And I think it's okay to admit you aren't capable of doing some things. And when when you admit that, that's leadership. And maybe one day Zach Taylor is ready for it. But right now, we have numerous examples of whether he loses his grip on what he's feeling play calling. That was last year. He's done a much better job this year at it. You know, I just, I don't know what's wrong with suggesting it either. That's my problem, is I don't know what's wrong with suggesting this. Because I don't know a lot about, fo- I, you know, I don't know too much about football, admittedly. I, you know, I'm, I'm not a college player or anything like that. You know, i just been watching it all my life, that's all. But I don't know what's wrong with the question of what makes that so wrong. Like, I just don't understand it. What's, why not let, we haven't even have forced Zach Taylor to say, hey, this is why I really enjoy being the play caller. And if if that quote exists, please send it to me. Um, Or why he thinks it's a benefit to the team that he does it, And why Brian Callahan, who's a very capable offensive coordinator, isn't, Capable of doing it. And honestly, I mean, Andy Reid's admitted he's handed a lot more to Eric Biennemi over in Kansas City, so I I don't know. It's a difficult topic. It's one that you're not sure about unless you're in the room. We're not in the room. But I think it's a question that deserves to be asked. I'm just not sure he can do both jobs at the same time. I'm just not sure. And self-admittedly, he's saying he's making critical mistakes in a game that he himself called the biggest game of the season. He makes two key mistakes because there's too much on his plate. You know, maybe he bit off more than he can chew in that department. Again, not a criticism of Zach Taylor in general, the human, the coach, the play caller, the game manager. But sometimes it's very hard to do many things at once in key situations. And And it's all about trusting your coaching staff. And Zach preaches that. So let's just hope he preaches that a little more. All right, let's pivot um, to the 20% of fans out there. And I really, not even sure if anybody that listens to this podcast is in that type of mindset. But uh, you know him. The guy that is so ready to compare anything the Bengals currently do with everything the Bengals have done. And that's, what's be, that's what being a cursed, downtrodden, poorly run franchise will get you over 30 years it'll get you many 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 fans like this many 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 cynics many many doubters many many people who will abandon ship before you even know it now what i was proud of is that it felt like there was a real vibe shift when the bengal's were down 24 nothing now maybe because there was rain expected and only hardcore bengal's i don't know but it didn't feel like everybody gave up on the team maybe the steelers win carries some weight for a little while um because there was faith in the stadium and when they came back that faith was confirmed and then Joe Mixon drops the ball Joe Mixon drops the ball and it goes the other way and it is what it is but the comeback was made the belief was there it's a confirmation that yes when they don't mess up when they're when they're clean which is very hard to do in the NFL consistently and that's why great teams don't turn the ball over because they're great teams they're not sloppy. They they find consistency. That's what wins in the NFL. So we know that if they just clean that up, they can blow anybody in this league out. Anybody in this league can be blown out by the Cincinnati Bengals. Not just beat, not just squeaked by, but blown out. Outside of, I will give you Packers, Patriots, Bucks, I think the only three because of their I, I really enjoy their defense and they're well coached and they have elite quarterbacks. Well, not. Patriots but they I don't know but Mac Jones in Bill Belichick's amazing system where they've got power run you know he can look like an elite quarterback at times so those teams I don't know if the Bengals can necessarily blow out but the other 28 yes they can on any given on any given Sunday and including the Chiefs including the Chiefs without a doubt the Rams definitely the Cardinals are blowoutable by the Cincinnati Bengals right I just, you know, will they win over five times out of ten against the Cardinals, against the better teams in the league, against the Chiefs? Not necessarily. But if this team puts it all together, they have an unbelievably high ceiling. and a, A ceiling higher than even I ever imagined with the Cincinnati Bengals and this version of them this soon. So we've seen the peaks and we've lived the valleys. So believe in the peaks. Just believe in the peaks. Ride the wave. Understand it's a young team. Understand it's a team growing into its own. Understand that Joe Burrow's pinky was swelled up almost all the way. And pro football focus comes out today and says, yeah, Joe Burrow outplayed Justin Herbert, which many of us felt in the stadium. And we would have confidently said, if Joe Mixon doesn't drop the ball. And that's the game. If Joe Mixon holds on to that football, the Bengals win that game by two scores. Any Chargers fan that says different is lying to themselves lying to themselves. Their sideline was gone. Their fan base looked like they wanted to cry. I mean, legitimately. And I've been there before, Chargers fans. We're very tortured fan bases. I, I, we had nothing against Chargers fans until they got real bold online this Monday morning. Unnecessarily bold. Because if the Bengals had won a game like that, I, I, I don't think I would be that bold. Because... The, you blew a 24-point lead before the fourth quarter even began. I mean, if Zach Taylor doesn't pee down his leg twice, the Bengals probably have an extra three points plus an extra point plus the time they chased points and didn't get the two-point conversion. That's an extra four points, dog. It, it should have been 28-24. Well, 25, well, 26-20, whatever the score is. But, like, I don't know. If you're a Chargers fan, you're ultra confident. I don't, I don't really think that's smart. And I think the Chargers team themselves are ultra confident. And they're, that's not good because they did not play that well. They really didn't. They really did not play that well. The Bengals really peed on themselves all over the field. And their quarterback's out there gutting it out. He was prepared, ready to go, played a good game. And I just, you know, get lost in these segments. Get absolutely lost in these segments. I just think that we need to focus on the peaks of the Cincinnati Bengals. That's, that's the point to be made. And evoking Andy Dalton's name, who, by the way, yesterday, when he has all this NFL experience, has a lower pass rating than Joe Burrow's had in a, any, any game of his career. Wow. Joe Burrow is so much better than Andy Dalton ever was right now. And if you go look, if you're like, oh, 14 interceptions, it's a high interception rate. I I don't know, just go watch that Jamar Chase play. (laughs) (laughs) Two of them now this year. That should have been big-time completions that are Jamar Chase drops and turned into interceptions. I just think that this is the last hope for the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow. I think we all knew that when they drafted him. And I think any Cincinnati Bengals fan that isn't aware That this franchise, unless they find playoff success, not even Super Bowl success, but they need to find playoff success with Joe Burrow, or there's a real world that this franchise doesn't exist into the 2040s, that it's something different and somewhere new, right? You have to come to grips with that the failure cannot continuously roll on the way it has. It has to change. And if anybody's going to change it, it's this kid. And we all believe that, and we all signed up for it. Okay, so if we all made that contract as Bengals fans, that this really might be it. This really might be the last chance that the Bengals can not just be the laughing stock that makes the playoffs once in a while. This is, this, this is the last chance. A lot of Bengals fans really felt that way when you draft Joe Burrow. The organization genuinely felt that way it was in a bad spot a bad place with a stadium deal within a decade it's a bad place to be so understanding that contract shouldn't we all agree that we should probably defend joe burrow like he is <laughs> like he is it you should defend him at all costs because he's out there Dying, dying for the city. It feels that way, doesn't it? Six sacks, 11 quarterback hits, a pinky that's double the size of any of your fingers. Oh, by the way, he's wearing a knee brace with a massive scar on his leg. Why? Because he kept taking hits and kept taking hits and kept taking hits and kept getting up and kept pushing on and kept pushing forward and kept fighting for this team, and fighting for the city, and fighting for the whole goddamn state. And you're going to stand there and evoke Andy Dalton. Get out of here with that. Seriously. And it's not about the national media, and it's not about that we shouldn't be critical of Joe, and it's not that we shouldn't you know, nitpick his performance and say he should get better. I promise you, Joe Burrow is a bigger critic than you will ever be of him. Joe Burrow expects perfection from himself. But we've got, this has got to be a team effort on the Cincinnati Bengals fans' front. You cannot cannibalize this. You can't turn into the worst fan base in the league by turning on this kid, right? And so I just hope we all understand that. And to the 20% of fans that want to evoke Andy Dalton, that are seven mixed drinks in before the game even kicks off, that want to cheer while the team's on offense. Right? Ah, that was a Baker Mayfield comment. I-, I wish I would I wish I could delete that, but I'm not going to. I didn't like that I said that. Baker Mayfield ruined that comment for me. But anyway, I-, I just I'm speaking to you, please. Please, please, please. Keep keep irrational faith in Joe Burrow. Irrational faith. That's what we should be. Irrationally faithful with this kid. Because The work he's put in, he's earned that irrational faith. Irrational faith. And everybody, well, you can't be around. You got a bad perspective. And yeah, I agree. But as a fan, you've got to have irrational faith in this kid. Because this is it. This is it. You know, I I could throw some Bible quotes at you, but I didn't pull them up. All right? Because you're talking about savior of a franchise type of stuff. And what this kid's trying to do, putting an entire state on his back, irrational faith is what should come from those in the stadium. Irrational faith. And anything less than that, I I just think that Joe Burrow's earned way more um, than comparisons to Andy Dalton. All right, want to move on to the Bearcats. What a weekend, man. I was wrong. I said the committee would never, I said never, put a group of five team in the playoff. That they would do everything within their power to ensure it wouldn't happen. That they might do something completely irrational to keep it from happening. I still don't think I was wrong. Now, I was wrong because clearly Cincinnati's in the playoff. Clearly, it happened. Clearly, they were able to beat Notre Dame on the head-to-head. They were able to finish strong. They beat Houston by double digits in a game that was over at 35-13. to And they proved it, and they get put in. But the reason I say I don't think I was wrong is that I believe had Oklahoma State won, they probably would have jumped Cincinnati. I really believe that. Had Notre Dame lost another game and fell to 13th in the country, I think they would have found a way to have somebody jump Cincinnati. Maybe Baylor, right? I still think that was in the cards for Sunday. The absolute perfect scenario for the group of five team to get in happen. A scenario you couldn't even dream of. It was absolutely perfection from Cincinnati, and they still only put him at four. And they were going to try to get him out. I mean, that's that's the situation you're faced with. So 13 and a half point dogs to Alabama, you think that's the 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 longest odds have already been achieved with the Bearcats. So you think 13 and a half point favorite Alabama is going to intimidate the Bearcats? I, I don't think so. This team is beyond intimidation. This team believes it has transcended college football norms. That belief fueled in a month of preparation with a very good coaching staff, with a stout defense and a, an a NFL quarterback, that's a formula for pulling upsets. That's a formula for making noise. That's a formula for putting a big-time scare into Nick Saban, a big-time scare into a young Alabama team that I don't think is ready to win a national championship. That I think beat a Georgia team. That again, these are college kids. So them saying, "Well, we're already in the playoffs," so and and they're playing Alabama. And you let up at all against Alabama? You're you're reckoned to get beat beat up, and that's exactly what happened to Georgia. Like, does that make me believe Alabama is this juggernaut number one team? I, I Heisman winning trophy quarterback Nick Saban doesn't matter. Bearcats have already achieved longer odds than 13 and a half points. So I think you should go in with full full hope that the Bearcats can pull an upset. And why not? Why not go in with it? And because you know that a to- 24 hours, no matter what happens, even if it's 56 to nothing Alabama, no matter what happens 24 hours after, you'll be super proud of what the Bearcats accomplished because they already beat the longest odds in, in frankly, all of sports. The way that the college football playoff committee has set up their system and the way it had played out over the first five years of its existence, six years of its existence, the idea that a group of five team would make it into that playoff was near impossible. In fact, every undefeated group of five team before was, would not only not make it in, but they're put at ninth, 10th, 11th. They're imagined, unimaginably far away from being put into the college football playoff. So the fact that since those are the longest odds, because it's a near impossibility. I said on this show many times, college football was the only sport on planet Earth, the only league, the only, the only association, other than some maybe small high school associations, where a 10-0 team doesn't make it. That's happened before in high school history. But major sports leagues, it's the only one where you're not guaranteed the right to play for a championship if you win every game. Every other league in the world, if you win every game you play, you have the right to fight for a championship. You can even go through all of European soccer. Right, The lowest team, the cheapest team, the lessest team in the Premier League, if they won every game for the next calendar year, they would get every trophy. No matter their size, um, their popularity, their brand, their recruiting base, they don't need none of that. If you win every game, you get an opportunity to play for a championship. And that was clearly the system college football was fighting against, I guess, so that they could make more money. And we all knew that, and they still made it anyway. And they still made it anyway. So I'm not scared of 13 and a half points from Vegas. Okay? Not scared of it. But they might be blown out. But I think we should go in saying the Bearcats are going to win. Because they've already, they've already achieved something that I, I thought was completely impossible. They, they made it to the moon. I really feel like I, I, there's, somebody's taking their first steps on the moon. That's what I feel like. Watching the Bearcats make the playoff. Are you kidding me? Incredible. Absolutely incredible stuff. All right. Great, great show today. It was all over the place, just like that Chargers-Bengals game. Up, down, left, down, sideways. Uh, At least we didn't drop it. Like Joe Mixon. Love you, Joe Mixon. Love you, Jamar. But come on.